This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Short Code Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler, and it is my great privilege, nay, my deeply felt honor to welcome to the show today my talented and brilliant co-hosts. Say hello to Hillary O'Brien. Hi, guys. How now, good woman? How dost thou? Elaine Sanduk. Pretty good. All right. <laughs> Ahoy, Derek Bradley. What's up? And namaste, Nick Lind. Hello. Before we start the show today, I want to remind our listeners to sign up for our email list at theshortcode.com. Look for the form on the left side of the page. This is where we are going to announce our upcoming super duper plans for the new year. And let me tell you, let me tell you something, listeners. Don't walk around. Because we sure don't. Because we're not. Getting the business. Those on the list will get something (laughs) that those not on the list won't get. So you don't want to not be on that list. Mm -mm. I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you what you're going to get. Because I don't know yet. (laughs) (laughs) But it will be exclusive to list members. And that's all you need to know right now. Take that to the bank. Uh, It's a holiday break, y'all. What's cracking? We got going on. Step one studying. Uh, <laughs> oh, step one. Not so hard. Okay. Okay, Dave. You can leave now. We can do this. <laughs> it's funny how like how pervasive and how like ubiquitous. I mean, everyone has to do it, you know, every year, but it like it doesn't get any less painful. Like no matter how many years away you are from having taken it, everyone has the same reaction of like, oh god. It, it, Sorry, I, I think for you guys it like hurts every time like it's brought up like you know some yeah, either actually, someday I will have to take this or I took it in the past or I'm taking or I'm about to take it yeah yeah, yeah you know, people don't even have to say step one if I hear just the word step or one I get this jolt <laughs> of anxiety yeah but you yeah. took it I did any advice for our uh for for Hillary and Derek who are about to take it it was a long time ago <laughs> keep yourself on ice uh, <laughs> <laughs> keep down the swelling. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, uh, the inflammation. Ice uh, the brain. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Be be kind to yourself. Go easy on yourself, for sure. And you don't have to do great. You just have to pass. Really, you do. Because this is a good school. We have a great reputation. Everyone pretty much ends up wherever they want to go. So mm-hmm. yeah, you'll be all right. Yeah, you'll be okay. Good. The fear is real, but like oh, I can yeah. usually talk myself like. It's like a five minute swelling of fear and then I can just like breathe, talk it down and then I can get back to studying. And like, I actually, this is a little weird. I liked the studying the past few days. Like yeah. it was just fun to set your own schedule and yes. to like, you're learning things and you feel like you're advancing so much in a day because all you're doing is sitting for 12 hours looking at a book and reading. But that sounds it's, awesome. It's a little fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get to acknowledge my own insufficiencies rather than like an attending 
asking me and i don't know like <laughs> yes. i just know in the private of my office like ah, i'm incompetent but it's yeah. okay i got five like, weeks you don't feel incompetent in front of other people yeah, which yeah. Is nice. it's a yeah. private incompetence yeah. yes which we're rarely granted in life all right good well we've got a couple of listener questions to deal with today um the first is from madeline madeline called our scp hotline at 347 short ct to ask this important question. Holy shit, okay. I'm still dying over Kylie saying that she's lonely. Okay, um, so <laughs> I, have, I don't remember. and I've... I don't remember what that's about, but I can totally see her talking <laughs> yeah. about it. Right? It's like, not surprising. Yeah. Been a long time listener to the podcast. It's Thank you. been very inspirational to me throughout my pre-med journey, and I've finally been accepted into medical school. Yay! Yay! Congratulations. Next year, which is most mostly exciting, but also kind of pants-shittingly terrifying. Got it, yeah. Um, so my question is, <laughs> still around this time of year, every year I get terrible seasonal depression, like smack you on your ass seasonal depression. And my fear is that this will occur simultaneously with finals week, as it has in the past in undergrad. So. My question is, how do y'all handle mental health issues along with um, the terror that is medical school? Um, can't wait to hear what y'all have to say. I like Madeline. I just want to say that I like the sound of her voice. I like mm -hmm. the fact that she swears because I cannot stop myself. Uh, Despite She's, the fact that it, I don't know, one day it could cause me to lose my job. I'm still doing it. You know, like there's nothing relatable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, um, anyway, before we uh, address this person, I want to be careful to point out that I was not able to secure a real, live, knowledgeable human being to be on the show. <laughs> What's the f well, right here? I'm just saying, you all are not experts. We, none of mm. us, are are experts on. Uh, uh, mental health issues. Are we not really? Uh, well, I mean, we've we've all experienced them, yeah. <laughs> probably to one extent or another. Um, so, really, nothing we should, uh, nothing we say here should be construed as helpful in any way. But um, the first bit of advice I would have for somebody experiencing a mental health issue is to see a doctor, uh, because the first question I have, Madeline, for you is. Have you been diagnosed with seasonal depression or is this some sort of um, self-diagnosis situation? You can, you know, according to what I've read, say you have seasonal uh, depression and be right. It's not like, you know, cancer or other things, you know, like it's I get sad in the holidays. That's, you know, mm -hmm. effectively mm -hmm. seasonal depression. But uh, according to what I've read, there are other things to rule out first, um, like physical issues thyroid yeah. disorders and things of that sort. vitamin d deficiency yeah, yeah. which occurs yeah. in the winter um and there are treatments for sad like uh med medicine light therapy uh but those should be monitored by a doctor too because if you have other ha mental health issues they can trigger trigger other problems um okay so disclaimers out of the way other <laughs> thoughts folks uh, you know i I would say try to stay well connected. Find find like some good support through friends, through family, if that's health a healthy relationship. I know it's not for everybody. Uh, <laughs> that's a great point. But yeah. yeah, I mean, try to seek out healthy relationships. 
try i mean it's difficult during school but you, you know i i find being an m1 uh that my class bonded really quickly so there are a lot of people that you can reach out to that are in the exact same situation you're in maybe not the exact same if you uh really have you know seasonal depression but but they can re- at least relate to the situation that you're in and uh lean on some of those people for for support during that time yeah because it's tough for for everyone it's a good point because um you know when you're depressed uh one of the hallmarks of depression i've read is uh, sort of a contraction of your social circle you know you sort of withdraw um from social activities and that could have a sort of a domino effect or what's the word i'm looking for kind of an amplifying effect. Kind of, yeah kind of amplify the the situation that you're in and then you know you sort of get into the spiral yeah and the, and keeping up the relationships that are meaningful to you that aren't actively toxic <laughs> yeah. as you say is probably uh a good idea yeah and like letting that support system know that this is something that you experience every year so yeah. like to make them aware enough so that if they see any changes in you that they can like talk to you about them if, so then they know like when to be worried when like you're feeling really down or yeah if yeah. i stop yeah. calling you yeah uh maybe give me you know a call <laughs> yeah. you know you could do you could do that yeah that's that's the scary thing about depression is that like the very organ that you would use to determine if you are sick or not is the organ that is affected mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and so it's i completely agree with Hill. i agree with everything that's been said but um it's definitely not a bad idea to let your close people people who wouldn't mm-hmm. judge you for knowing that letting them know that this is a possibility and to check up on you yep. yeah if your school has a, a counseling center like ours do i would you know sort of encourage you to reach out to them early don't wait for it to start but reach out to them early and say i have this issue um diagnosed or not i have this issue um what should i be thinking about now while i'm not affected yeah perhaps mm-hmm. yeah knowing what to do in the case of an emergency yeah is good and i think you know here at uh carver i, I think the counseling center is really good at reaching out to students too um, you know, whether it be the initial, when you come, they want to set up a, an appointment with you, uh, or if you start struggling and, in, in coursework, you know, they, they reach out. So, um, yeah, they're paying attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the case at most schools. Right. I, I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, there are some, also some common sense stuff that you can, that you can do that doesn't involve, you know, medication and stuff like that. And, and they should probably be adjunct to you know, actually speaking with a physician. Um, but, you know, there are things that you should probably do any, anyway, like, you know, relaxation techniques like yoga or Tai Chi or whatever. Um, meditation is another one. Um, music, art therapy. Those are good ideas. I always yeah. like to put on, well, when I am at my most stressed, um, you know, when I've got a big thing coming up and I'm trying, really trying to think of everything, um, you know, I'll turn on the most relaxing music that I possibly can in my office. Jason always knows when I'm stressed out because all of a sudden friggin' Gregorian chants start floating out of, <laughs> floating out of my office. Um, That's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah. I'm just going to yeah. make a mental note of Gregorian chants. I, I mean, you know, what's the, uh, yeah, I, I mean, any, any sort of, uh, you know, music, um, 
classical music does huh. it does it for me mm-hmm. um i i guess if you're depressed i wouldn't advise that i mean it's all right i wouldn't advise morrissey you know like avoid <laughs> morrissey the uh, doors anyone who the committed cure, suicide stay away yeah from just us. you know yeah maybe go for something a little more cheerful yeah actually um to piggyback on that one thing i found that really worked for me weirdly was um uh, all the Marvel comic movies, their soundtracks are so mm-hmm. good at just mm-hmm. getting me like mm-hmm. empowered. Yeah. Like especially, uh, there's one in particular. I think it's when Tony Stark like breaks onto the scene in one of the Avengers movies. I can't remember, but like the what's it called? Oh my God! What is the character they Iron Man? Iron Man. The Iron Man. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Gets me every time. Whatever mood I'm in, I hear that and I'm like. Let's do this. Let's get going. <laughs> so that helps. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd recommend like trying to incorporate these sorts of things that Dave and Alina are suggesting into like daily life because yeah. it sounds like these, yeah. like this is going to affect you every, every year. And so it's going to be hard on you in medical school. It's going to be harder probably in residency Yeah, and it'll probably continue like when you're in and attending as well. So just mm. try and find things that are help you in the long term, not just like, okay, I can just do this for this like month then I'm affected make it a habit I mean yeah yeah I mean you, you want to make it a habit before it becomes a problem yeah um and and, and you know the the, the the this truth of the matter is you know like if you do have a problem medical school will amplify mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was about to the say situation in this and and so it's important to sort of get a handle on that yeah um as as best you can or to at least be aware of mm. of things and develop those healthy habits now i okay so here's one i strongly believe in and which is borne out by i think i think by research um brighten up your life um physically you know so a uh, little story i uh, bought a house uh, we bought a house uh <laughs> um this past uh spring and the previous owner you know the part of buying a house means that you know the previous owners will leave their window treatments up um, so that you don't have to immediately have window treatments. Plus they just don't need them in their new house probably. And, uh, so we had all these like old lady, old man window treatments mm-hmm. in our house. Um, especially in the living room where we spend most of our time had like blackout curtains. And just this week we got new windows installed. And so part of that was taking them all down and getting ready for that. And I was like, holy crap, there's actual light, <laughs> uh, that comes into a house. Um, through these windows. Um, so if you can, if you have windows <laughs> in your home, uh, open things up, you know, mm-hmm. if you have yeah. the wherewithal, you know, you could even like trim the tree outside your window that blocks out the the light. Um, mm. you know, ask your landlord if you're, if you're a renter, offer to pay for it. It's probably cheaper than, uh, than medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do that yeah. too. But I was going to say, I don't know where the caller ended up getting into medical school but like that's a big problem in Iowa is that in the winter you just don't see the sun and like Mm -hmm. when I was on my um, internal med rotation I feel like every single patient we had come in was vitamin D deficient Mm -hmm. and so like whatever they came in for like that was an automatic like hey you should maybe take care of that you know we can write you a prescription but you can also just take like an over-the-counter supplement so think about how much worse that is in the hospital when you're like a resident or a med student in your clinical years where there are no freaking windows yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, and even workrooms too. Even today, uh, you know, looking outside, it's I know we have super this big, gray and... we have this big, super nice window here, <laughs> which tells us just how awful it is outside. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's nice to keep abreast of the weather. And I think what is it? Is it today or tomorrow? Is the shortest day of the year? Yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. today. today. Yeah. yeah. So oh. there you go. Um, let's see. Go for a walk every morning after you wake up. I mean, you know, like when they do light therapy. When when light therapy is a treatment that you're using uh one of the things they say is do it i think one of the things they say is do it early in the morning like when you right when you wake up do it for an hour after you wake up do the same thing uh in the morning by going for a walk mm -hmm. um unless you're getting up at 4 a.m that won't <laughs> help you yeah, very much like for surgery walking into the <laughs> yep. hospital though like yeah. take a little extra route go yeah. a little longer yep 100 percent. go out i you know i used to work and i would go outside at noon and uh there was a parking garage attached to the building and so if it was raining or whatever i'd just walk in the parking garage there's still light coming in because mm -hmm. uh you could see you know through the sides but uh, and if it wasn't raining or anything you know you could just walk around outside and yep it was yeah. great i was actually Go yeah i was about light. to say that because one of the problems here for students is that you like even during the didactic part you wake up before the sun gets up and you get home after the sun has already mm -hmm. gone down and so getting out at noon just to like yeah. see mm -hmm. the sun is a very good idea or like trying to find a study spot that has windows by it like that's what mm -hmm. so in step dedicated study period like i've been trying to find like a sunny space during the like morning and then i might change up to a different place in the afternoon but i try and make sure my morning always has some sun with it and keep in mind yeah. i mean we're in a building like where there are huge windows yeah you know mm -hmm. and even then you know if you want to have a quiet space to do your studying, well those are the windowless places <laughs> <laughs> you Very know true yeah. so yeah well don't the community like conference rooms now have like these massive like 72 inch tvs you could just like like pull up a youtube video of the sun yeah. on Beach those scene. yeah exactly. that's it yeah that's a lot of blue show. light coming from those tvs though you know how they tell yeah. you like uh like if you're going to if you're going to sleep don't look at your cell phone because yeah. mm -hmm. uh Ooh. there's blue light and that i don't kind of i think the research on that is equivocal but um yeah. i i believe it but i do have yeah. that there's a thing on my phone where you can set it so that um in the evening or at certain hours it will be a much warmer yeah. display so i do have that set i have no idea if that works or not to keep me from uh insomnia but there's mm. a thing like that too for your computer if anyone's interested i don't know if they are but um it's a, a program called flux yeah yeah mm. i use that too it's actually really nice mm. i've been um, seeing that they're selling like glasses you can wear yeah. that filter out blue light as well mm -hmm. i have a blue light filter <laughs> on my glasses that i'm wearing right now and i i feel like i i noticed you know when i like switch because i have another pair of glasses that doesn't have it and i i, I almost I, I feel like i sleep better i don't know if it's real but uh you know take the placebo effect if it's happening yeah yeah, yeah. i mean at least, don't complain about at least it. something don't is happening so yeah i actually i don't know if you need to buy necessarily special glasses but one thing i bought off amazon is just like normal safety orange glasses and they work perfectly mm. and they look hot they look yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only wear them in front of people that you know will continue liking and respecting you after they see you in them. <laughs> but they do work yeah i'll i'll actually start wearing them around like nine or ten which is nice because then I can continue to work on whatever I'm working on and not mm. suppress melatonin production. Because I think that's that's what yeah. they say it does, is that blue light suppresses mel melatonin. Yeah. <clears throat> um, 
I think the last bit of advice that I have that I personally use when I'm not feeling so great is to just take control of something. Hmm. Yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah. Doesn't have to be a big thing, but basically take some control back um, by doing any one of these things, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, I mean, you, the temptation when you're depressed, obviously, is I'm sure Madeline knows is to do nothing or to just, you know, let it take over. Um, but I think the, the more rational thing to do is to, you know, do something to take back control of the situation and, um, you know, consciously do that. You're going to have to force yourself to do it. And unfortunately that's where the whole, you know, brain monitoring itself, uh, as you said, Aline, you know, comes into conflict, but, Mm. um, maybe you can remind somebody, as you say, remind to remind you to take control of something. Yeah, I definitely want to echo what you're saying, though, about taking control. Um, And I don't know what you all do, but one thing that really helped me during medical school was cleaning my apartment, Mm -hmm. like enhancing the quality of the space in which I was living or Mm. studying really helped. And it, it, it not only makes you feel better just to be in a cleaner, orderly space, it also makes you feel like you're doing something, even if you can't control the very situation that's stressing you out taking control of even a peripheral thing does like build self-confidence in that way. So totally agree with that. hundred percent agree with the cleaning. Mm-hmm. I do that too. I yeah. call it procrastinating. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Procrastination by productivity. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nice. I did that to my entire house at the beginning of dedicated because I just didn't want to <laughs> admit I needed to study. So you my house is spotless. <laughs> you were preparing <laughs> your learning environment. Right? That was this. That was part of the process. No, no, I like swept my garage. Like, I don't need to be in the garage. And it's winter. Like maybe you were gonna study there. I, I, yeah. There's no windows. Uh, Madeline, uh, let us know how it goes. Get in touch with us again. You can swear into our uh, our voicemail again. That would be fabulous. I would. I would just love you even more. Here's a question I got on our Instagram from Jeanette Tello. She slid into my DMs. To ask this. How do I combat imposter syndrome as a pre-medical student? I know that sliding into DMs means something (laughs) totally not that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Anyway, imposter syndrome. Anyone in here not have imposter syndrome at some point? Yeah, when you figure it out, let us know. Yeah, right? (laughs) We'd love the advice, too. I'm beginning to wonder if imposter syndrome is just something felt by normal people who don't know all the things. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, isn't it just mm. a part of of learning? It's yeah. it's like an ignorance is bliss type of situation. Like the more aware you become of your environment and how much you don't know and the further you progress in your career, the more you feel like you don't belong in this place it seems like that's totally true Mm -hmm. like i guarantee you you didn't suffer from imposter syndrome until you decided to become a pre-medical student at that moment uh, i mean unless you were doing something before that but you know you set yourself on a path and i think probably at that moment you began to feel the first (laughs) stirrings of this magical feeling uh that we call imposter syndrome I think it's in all fields, like all areas Mm -hmm. of technical expertise of some kind that, you know, and it really, it really only afflicts like 
I don't know, people of a certain kind, I can't really describe it, but like there's a certain humility with imposter syndrome. Mm, like, yeah. It would be nice to be so arrogant as to think that you know everything and like there, you absolutely are entitled to all of the great things that are happening to you. But it's, I know it's a negative thing in principle, but actually when someone says that they're suffering from that, I'm like, you have the right attitude. Like there's something good inside <laughs> yeah. of you that is provoking that feeling and you should, you know, not feel bad about that. So you're not a narcissist. Exactly. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Nick. Well, yeah, I couldn't you, think of it the right way. And and I think, so I have a background in finance before medical school. And uh, I mean, I totally had that same feeling there. There were times and situations where I ended, found myself that you were I, over your head. I totally over yeah. my head. Yeah. Huh. Totally over my head. And you know it and if you think about it if you're in a if, if you're in a situation where you don't know everything you're always going to be in over your yeah. head i mean there's mm -hmm. going to be some point where somebody says to you i want you to do this and you're like well i don't yeah. know how to do this but i guess i gotta do that and i think mm -hmm. the key is like you're you're there for a reason you're in that situation in that role whether it be a medical student or uh you know working in some other industry uh somebody had a certain amount of faith in you and trust and and your ability that they wanted you there in That's that position exactly. and and so they 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 know that you can do it yeah like and, someone someone's entire job depends on identifying the right mm -hmm. people to do this and they saw potential in you and, and i guarantee you that they feel imposter syndrome about being able to do that <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i ran it i mean speaking of, of of people whose job it is to know how to do things i i did run into uh our own Amal Shibli Rahal, uh, assistant dean in internal medicine um, doc here at uh, the College of Medicine. Ran into her at the coffee shop this morning. Um, Dr. Rahal is, in my opinion, one of our resident badasses at UI Healthcare. Yes. Um, yeah. And I'm not just saying that because she's listening. Although if, <laughs> although if you are listening, Dr. Rahal, I would not find it amiss to get a sudden rise in pay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she has that power. <laughs> Maybe she does. Oh, though. You if you do, for you. Yeah. I for thought I thought you meant you were telling someone else to give her a raise, which she totally deserves. But well, yeah, yeah. that's perhaps true. <laughs> that is true. I'm sure, Doctor Hall. I've never. I'm gonna. Okay. I'm gonna stop kissing. <laughs> I'm gonna stop kissing your ass. <laughs> I'm um, sorry for putting you down that road. Yeah. <laughs> But as I said, she is, uh, I want to give her background a little bit. She's assistant dean for student affairs and curriculum. She is a fellowship program director in endocrinology and metabolism. She is a clinical professor of internal medicine, uh, endocrinology. Um, she's board certified like six or seven times, five, six, seven times in different uh, uh, endocrine sort of specialties, I, I think. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the point is... She kind of knows what she's doing, and yet my question to her was, "Do you experience imposter syndrome?" And she says, "Absolutely." Uh, these days, not so much on the doctor side of things, although you know it does happen. Um, but it does happen more for her on the administrator side of her work. Mm -hmm. I did get mm -hmm. permission to talk about all of this, by the oh, way. Oh, good. She we was, we was, were worried. She was happy to. She said she was. Be, she'd be fine with it. Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, the administrator part of her life is something more recent than the doctor part of her mm -hmm. job. And um, and so clearly that's it's going to happen more on that side of it as she figures out, you know, what it means to be assistant dean. She's been doing it for a little while, but she still feels it. Mm -hmm. um, I asked 
I, I asked her if she thought that imposter syndrome is something that happens when you unconsciously compare yourself to other people um, and what you think they know. Um, what do you guys think her answer was? <laughs> That's a stupid question. Her answer was yes. <laughs> I was trying to be all like, uh, see, now I'm feeling imposter syndrome. Anyway, <laughs> don't compare yourself to other people. That's probably... Yeah. A, a route to imposter syndrome right there. Oh, it's so hard to do, though. It's so much easier yeah. said than done mm -hmm. than to, you know, to be in a place and see other people, you know, excelling, but not seeing their faults or their challenges mm -hmm. quite as obviously. It's really hard to do. Really, really hard not to, rather not to do. Yeah. I it, Everything looks great from a distance, right? Like you step back from something or someone and go, man, that person is killing it. Why am I not killing it? Mm -hmm. You know, but what you don't see is their internal struggles hmm. to uh, to get it right. Yeah. Um, and they are experiencing those. You don't see the cracks, but they are they are experiencing those struggles. Yeah. And a lot of people make it look easy mm -hmm. um, because they don't they don't want people to see that they struggle. And that's totally reasonable because that that feels bad. Everyone wants to project you know, this image of being, well, there's no percentage awesome. in there's, there's no percentage in displaying that to the world, you know, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So people, most people don't, mm -hmm. I, I wear my incompetence <laughs> on my sleeve. Yeah. I also do the which same. I think undercuts me sometimes, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should walk around like projecting a supreme air of confidence. <laughs> well, and I, I think also, you know, being in medical school where everybody is just so bright, like the, everybody is and uh then you know you fall into that trap of comparing yourself to everybody else it, it's super easy to do um but as you know aileen said you're you're not seeing the uh those people's shortcomings and everybody struggles with something um yep. especially in medical school so mm -hmm. uh derek are you real. free of imposter syndrome no <laughs> not at all so it's where like, especially on rotations, you get to the point where your first week, you're like, I am terrible at this. I have no idea what I'm doing. Everything's new to the team. And then mm -hmm. you like start to settle in and you're like, maybe think, oh, maybe I might know what I'm doing. And then like your residents from like smells it out, like blood in the water. And like, Let's throw something at him just to like mess everything up. Knock him down yeah. a little bit. And then you switch teams like three weeks later and then it's all over again. So it's just kind of this cyclical. And then by the time you're done with your core year, you're like, well, I'm clueless. It's okay. There is a, there is a graph I've seen of um, confidence in medical school and it's sort of, you know, sort of going up and down all the time. And then you get to your fourth year and you're like, you're arc, you're arcing up in your fourth year and then you start your residency and it's like <laughs> back down to the ground. That's you know? really all medical school is. It's progressing to a point of, you know, like proficiency just to be knocked back down. It's like, like, it's you, like you know? interval <laughs> training for your, yeah. for your <laughs> High confidence, you know, training. like think of it that way. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's it's a good thing. It keeps you it keeps you learning as you as you suggested. Um, she does it. I mean, she does say you know like even on the doctor side. I mean, it's it's inevitable. Some things go wrong. You make a you make a decision that you're not happy with, or you you know something doesn't go the best way possible for a patient. 
Um, and she, her strategy, she says, is to, you know, first of all, she writes it down. Uh, she writes down exactly what happened. Um, she figures out a way to learn from it um, as part of that. And then she, she presents her experience to her fellows. As I said, she's a, a director of the uh, fellowship program in endocrinology and metabolism. So she makes it public. Mm -hmm. what happened and she's doing a couple things there she's um you know if you really want to learn something teach it mm -hmm. number one totally um she's helping others so she's helping others learn from her mistake and she's not hiding it she's letting others because she's letting others know what happened they can also sort of get the message that hiding one's mistakes hiding those cracks is not is 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 maybe a bad idea or it doesn't have it to be the way to, right. yeah. mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be the way that you that you do this it's okay to show others you know that you're not that you're imperfect i was just um looking up uh, a podcast episode that i listened to recently and i can't find it um right now good story um, <laughs> Yeah, 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 you're welcome. Yeah, that was a great one. Huh? All right, let me try a, a, a different one. Um, I, yeah, I can't remember what uh, podcast it was, but uh, they had a, a movie executive on talking about um, a failure CV that she keeps. Mm. Um, and like, I mean, she's, I can't remember her name. It's like Janet something, but like Janet Johnson. Maybe. Did she work at Disney? Yeah, that's the one. Wait, not wait, but wait. Oh, shoot. Shoot. Right? Reply all. Was it oh, Reply All? that was it. I think that was it, yeah. Yes, I mm. listened to this episode as well. Yeah, wasn't it, like, very thought-provoking? Like, basically, this woman was the driving force behind, like, Pirates of the Caribbean, like, all these blockbuster movies. But she was also behind... Uh, or she, she was Pirates also... of the Caribbean, the fifth version of whatever. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's gone down <laughs> in quality. But, like, that... I didn't realize this, but Pirates of the Caribbean was based on a ride. And they took the ride and made it into yeah. a movie. And mm. she was talking about how, you know, people were very skeptical at first. Mm. And but, you know, they they did a really good job. And anyhow, she was talking about movies that she, you know, had helped, you know, be the driving force for that failed and jobs that she was fired from. Usually like sometimes, uh, you know, to no fault of her own. But she like keeps a, a failure resume mm. and you know, talks about what happened or like writes down what happened and like what she learned from it and how she might have contributed to that outcome. And I thought that was a really like a very effective way to kind of document your personal challenges and to learn from them in a way to prevent that from happening again. I don't know if I'm ready to keep a failure. Yeah, that resume. would really yeah. hurt my self-confidence a lot. <laughs> I mean, good for her. Then I'd have good to remember her. all yeah, the failures. So I'm sure she's a highly effective person. Yeah. yeah. So the podcast it's actually from is called Without Fail, but it was originally oh. aired on Reply All. Yes. Um, but the lady um, in the podcast is Nina Jacobson. So Where did I get Janet look, from? Yeah, I, I mean, maybe the Jacobson. That's um, it. Yeah. I don't know. But I've only listened to the one episode of Without Fail. You know, so. your memory is imperfect and that's okay, Aline. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I, thank you for validating me. Good. In that moment. Yeah. I think the message here to sum up. It's inevitable yeah. unless you're a narcissist, um, and it'll or suffer from overconfidence. Yeah, yeah, and it'll probably get worse. And actually. it will, but it yeah. it is a you know like guilt, which I think everybody understands is an unproductive uh, emotion. Like guilt, it is also a strong motivator mm -hmm. potentially mm -hmm. to uh, do what's necessary yep. to overcome 
that feeling. Mm. Let us know how it goes. Jeanette Tello from Instagram. Appreciate your reaching out to us. Can I add one more thing yeah. before we move on? Um, there's a, I listen to a lot of podcasts and there's another one that I just thought of. We know you're in um, the lab <laughs> <laughs> like every day. Yeah. I, the, you know, when people in this building work in the lab, cause they're all wandering around and with like headphones on, like yeah. carrying trays of mice that are covered up with blankets and and also like exploding into laughter randomly when yes. nothing funny is happening walking by like grinning like idiots yeah yeah, yeah. um there's a podcast called the hilarious world of depression and yeah i, know. I already like it yeah it's i think it was started by a comedian who talks about you know having depression but there is specifically an episode about imposter syndrome um that i i found really nice because there were all these like very accomplished people like you're saying about dr rahal who you know, should have every reason to think that they're extremely competent mm. and that they belong, you know, in the places where they work and deserve the accolades that they get, but they still struggle with that. And they talk a bit about like how they reinforce their self-confidence and kind of combat that. So it, it actually reminds me that, um, so Jeanette here is a pre-med. Mm. Jeanette's job isn't to know all the things. Jeanette's yeah. job is to take in all the things and slowly accrete them into uh, a body of knowledge that she can call upon. Mm -hmm. So there is absolutely no reason for you to feel, I mean, you know, uh, uh, rationally, there is no reason for you to feel upset that you don't know all the things, mm -hmm. for instance, because you're not supposed to know all the things. Like that's your someone whole, else's the, job right now. The, right, yeah, yeah, that's their job to teach you. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's hard as a pre-med specifically because you get this mix of imposter syndrome, but then you add in this like competitiveness yeah. Yeah. Well, Derek, pre-med, which makes it so much worse. I think when we were discussing this online, Derek said, what was your advice? Was it, your, was it you or was it uh, another person? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's advice who may not, may or may not have been Derek Just, was to get rid of all your, uh, pre-med friends yeah oh, oh it was brady. brady oh it was brady Kimmel. yeah brady said that he i think he lived with a few business yes. majors oh, i did do that too i actually <laughs> now that you say this i remember reading brady's comment and i was like hell yeah like yeah. i lived with <laughs> hanging around with people who are dumber than you three, <laughs> uh, smart in a different yeah. way okay no, yeah they all went to undergrad they were all like gonna be accountants things like that but they just had different interests so i'd come home i'd be stressed out about something pre-med or applying to med mm -hmm. school and they're like here have a beer yeah like who cares have a beer like right. we're going downtown in five minutes like get dressed like, so like okay whatever like i don't mean to imply that business majors are dumb that's not what i meant <laughs> we didn't yeah, i'm we didn't, just saying dave what was your major psychology <laughs> <laughs> i mean talk about a major that you can't do anything with i mean it's like one of those yeah. majors that you're like i'm a psychology major it's applicable to everything because it's applicable to nothing <laughs> <laughs> anyway well, listen you know you have to compare the tasks at the end of the day right in medicine you're trying to outsmart nature hmm. and it's so much more complex than you know like if we could do that we'd be god you know yeah basically mm -hmm. but in business you know there are these like very well-defined mechanisms and and of course like you know business and economics evolve over time but like there are laws that govern the way that you know business and money making work and they're pretty static and so and you could say the same about nature but it it 
was conceived by people, whereas nature was conceived by, you know, the laws of physics yeah. and math. And it's You know what's great fun. about making fun of business majors? Business majors aren't listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never know. I'm They'll gonna, never know. I'm going to tell my business major friends to watch this or listen to this. Just, well, I, mean, I don't know. Like sometimes yeah. you never know who's going to make it to med school. I was a culture anthropology and religious studies double major. Double major. Really? Yeah. Oof. Wow. And I mean, here I am. Yeah, one of our classmates, I think, double majored in business and like something more pre-medi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, huh. screw it. Send me some letters. I like, <laughs> I like reading even angry messages. Dave will take all types of mail, fan I'm mail, not, hate mail. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I'm not picky. Yeah. Snail mail. Just wants the mail. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sure. Some folks will listen to an anti-vaxxer celebrity just because she once appeared in Playboy or whatever. And so must have a degree in vaccinology or autismology or something like that. Mm -hmm. But at least we can count on physician legislators to uphold the sacred evidence that vaccines don't actually do that, right? No, we can't, apparently. Oh, silly me. Uh, Tennessee Republican Mark Green, recently elected congressman and physician, was in a town hall meeting with constituents recently, and he said he has committed to people in his community up in montgomery county to stand on the centers for disease control desk and get the real data on vaccines because there is some concern that the rise in autism is the result of the preservatives that are that are in our vaccines can i just say okay let's all take a deep breath before we all poop out just (laughs) insane you know emotions about this um like there are mm. plenty of, I mean, autism occurs on a spectrum. There are perfectly functional people who are on the spectrum, you know, and the the person we have in mind, the patient we have in mind when we think about someone with autism is, it's not the representative. The severely patient. disabled person. That's, that's who mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, I just thought it was interesting. Like from what I read, the statement... He made this statement after a mother with uh, who, with an autistic child asked him about Medicaid cuts. Yeah, exactly. So she it wasn't, wasn't like my that. child has autism. I think it comes from vaccines. It was, hmm. I'm upset about cuts to Medicaid, and then he went off on this tangent like, "Yeah, we need to find out what the real information is." <sighs> like he was just dying to bring that yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, in any context. You know, let's give him a break. He's a freshman congressman, probably doesn't, probably experiencing imposter syndrome (laughs) right now. Is he a state congressman or is he going to be in like the U.S. House of Representatives? U.S. House of Representatives. Great. Okay, good. Uh, We have the majority there, so we can keep him in check. (laughs) For a while until we don't again. Yeah. Um, He did later walk back his comments. He said they were misconstrued. And he's a physician, correct? Yes. Wow. Misconstrued, saying, I want to reiterate, my wife and I vaccinated our children, and we believe and advise others they should have their children vaccinated. And by the way, if you think uh, this guy's name sounds familiar, he's the guy that our president nominated for U.S. Secretary of the Army. He's also a veteran. Hmm. Um, But he withdrew his nomination after making remarks critical of people who aren't white cisgendered people. So, Hmm. you know, that's just another another data point. I love this guy already. Yeah. So, I don't know. Just remember... uh, people listening that aren't yet doctors, y'all aren't as smart as you think you are. We know. Some of you aren't all as smart. You know, Mm -hmm. take that imposter syndrome and do something, do some good with it. Like, learn how not to be an idiot. (laughs) 
I I just want to ask the. Was that too strong? No, 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 no not at all. Fine. No. Okay. Yeah, yeah. you got to. We have to stay humble, and imposter syndrome keeps us humble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they did this in the, like future, like with other classes, but one thing they had us do when I was going through was an exercise uh, where you were a pediatrician and you were part of a practice and you had to decide how you were going to deal with parents who come in and don't want to vaccinate mm. their kids. Did you guys, did you yeah. do that? I feel like the I best. Remember. Yeah. 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 There, I mean, it was a spectrum of approaches that people proposed and most people kind of settled on like, we just won't see those patients. Like we, we just can't take the risk, mm -hmm. but I think maybe a more effective, you know, proposition was to like, to see them, but make it very, very difficult for them to hang on to their beliefs of not vaccinating. And so like have separate times and have a separate waiting room and like take all the necessary precautions, but to see them because otherwise they, if they already have a distrust of the medical establishment, mm -hmm. then if you reject mm -hmm. them, they, they may not end up seeking care at all ever again. Yeah. And, but it's a, it's complicated, very complicated knowing how to navigate that situation. This isn't, uh, this isn't this man's first rodeo politically. I mean, he, he has held office in within his state. He did run for governor. Well, he started to run for governor, then changed his mind when somebody else dropped out. I know it's complicated. Mm -hmm. But the point is that, you know, he did. This is like a completely from from the standpoint of an armchair observer of politics. This is mm -hmm. a completely unforced error. Like there's no reason for you to continue on with whatever random thought popped into your head at that moment. I mean, he may in yeah. fact did not believe that vaccines cause autism, but spouted it just because he thought he had to mm -hmm. yeah. in order to appeal to some base. Um, but yeah, I mean, the maybe you may have just learned an important lesson. Now you're on the national stage, answer the question yeah. <laughs> and only the question or do that thing that politicians do, which is don't answer the question. Answer the question that you want them to have asked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's pro maybe that's what he tried to do there and was just very bad at it. Well, but, you know, mm -hmm. he's learning. Mm -hmm. He's learning. Good luck, Doctor Green. We're all counting on you. <laughs> <laughs> not, not really, but yeah, <laughs> we do wish him luck. Yeah. Uh, and now a message to all prescribers and pharmacists from the Surgeon General of the United States. Be prepared, get naloxone, save a life. All caps. Which is great. I mean, in fact, the increased availability of naloxone is starting to have an effect on overdose deaths um, uh, from, from opioids. Um, in fact, Massachusetts and other states physicians general have now issued standing orders. Officially, they are uh, prescriptions for other providers so that they can carry naloxone, right? Hmm. Um, but... The pr there's a problem, which is that many health insurance companies look at prescriptions when making decisions. And if you have taken advantage of that standing order, you now have a prescription for naloxone and you may be denied coverage because you might be a drug abuser because you carry naloxone. Mm -hmm. And this is actually happening. Um, this, you know, providers are now uh, sometimes being denied health insurance as a result unless you get a doctor's note. What's the complication there? The doctor who prescribed it has to has to give you the doctor's note, and the doctor who prescribed it is the physician general of your state, and so you can't just like stop into his office <laughs> and call his secretary or his, his nurse and say, hey, I need this doctor's note. Um, and, you know, and many providers don't even realize this is gonna be a problem when they, when they take advantage of this. They're mm. only they only realize this problem when they try to get coverage and the insurance company is like, no, you're a druggie. 
Do you mean like a liability insurance or personal a, a health personal health insurance? insurance. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I've also heard about this with life insurance. Yeah. Which makes a lot of, I mean, it, it doesn't make sense, but it, it makes, it makes sense, sense from a certain perspective. From a certain perspective that if you, oh, that this person might be using drugs, so we don't want life insurance. Yeah. We don't want to cover them. Right. But I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't make sense because they're just trying to save lives. It's like, seems like a classic example of like, you know, we want to, we want to do this good thing, but humans being bad at foreseeing the consequences, the potential uh, consequences um, that are bad, um, we screw ourselves a little bit. Yeah. I mean, this mm-hmm. must be happening to like the drug users or like their family members who get naloxone mm-hmm. then too. And it's just coming out because mm-hmm. it's affecting physicians now. Mm-hmm. So hopefully because it is affecting physicians, it brings it to a bigger platform where they can figure out a way that this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, yeah. It's kind of terrifying though. Like at that point when you think of it for like the drug users as a pre-existing dis- like disorder. Oh, I didn't too, even think because about like yeah. we consider like substance use disorder. It's like a billable diagnosis. Wasn't mm. that already like covered under pre-existing conditions then? I don't know. I, was, I don't know anything. I about was it. thinking the same okay. thing. Like yeah. it just doesn't a wise physician I worked for where I worked with about a year ago told me the very sage medical advice of there's too many business people effing up healthcare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think this is like files in perfectly to that where they're like no not that not business majors duh, duh, <laughs> right in we've already right in about the other thing not about this i mean if we fully treated healthcare like a business then we would treat patients the way we treat horses that get their legs broken it would make much more fiscal Financial. sense yes. to just yes. kill the patient and so obviously that's why we can't have business like obviously yeah like caring for patients is very expensive but part of the problem in our country is that preventive care is not at all incentivized and that's Mm -hmm. because insurance um, is linked to employment so obviously insurance companies don't want to pay to prevent a thing that they wouldn't have to pay for anyway because at that point the person will be employed by someone else and some other company will benefit from that investment that they've made so yeah in other words i 100 percent agree it's we really should be in charge of like physicians and healthcare providers should be in charge of that because our goal is completely antithetical to the point of business, right? Whether mm-hmm. you're selling paper or you're selling, you know, Q-tips, whatever, like you're in the business of making money, not of necessary. That is literally your prime motivation. There is nothing. Yeah. You know. It's to generate profit. So, Did you guys, <laughs> uh, did you guys happen to catch my, uh, my video? On UI Healthcare's um, UI Healthcare's marketing video. No, no. can I play it for you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Why didn't you open? He with like that? has a little smile about it right now. Before I do, I'll say that um, yeah, the folks in marketing and communications. I did see this. Folks in marketing and communications uh, asked a bunch of other people from the hospital and the college. You know, what does the season mean to you? Um, and I'll post this video at theshortcode.com so you can check it out if you. <laughs> You really like marketing videos. Um, I did think it was cute. I was, uh, I was, I was, uh, you know, impressed by what they did. Um, but here it is. Oh my god! I love it already. It started with a dog. I was sold. <laughs> love. What does the season? Mean to you? Laughter. <laughs> 
Gangsan. Cookies. Popcorn balls. Food. Celebration. Memories. Music. Rest. Tradition. <laughs> Family pajamas. Oh. Diwali. <laughs> Christmas lights. Unidad. Snow. Diabolo. Some assembly required. Chaos. I wish you for family. Oh wow. Do you like candlelight? That's a dog. She's talking to a dog. Whatever the season means to you, season's greetings. University of Iowa Healthcare. Yo, can I just say our PR department is amazing. They're, That's a really good video. You know what? They're doing fine. Yeah. They're doing great. They uh, for for this uh, for this thing, they had us do uh, three takes uh, with different thoughts. Um, mine, obviously, some assembly requires. You know, I was, I, I'm not going to not ham it up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's it just was not, good. There's a lot of ham. <laughs> so that's the one they chose. What were your other two? Yeah, I don't remember exactly what the some others assembly were. Assembly oh, required. So you, you said like three different things. Or yeah, did you? they oh. said three different things, and they chose oh. one. Oh. Obviously, that one tested better than, I don't know, what I probably said about odorous discharge and <laughs> <laughs> the word moist. I, I don't know, like wow. some random, yeah. some random weird. Wow. One clip no, is just saying better. moist over and over. <laughs> <laughs> moist, moist, moist. Like, let's not go. Let's go with the some assembly required one. Uh, but that is our show. Aline, Nick, Derek, Bradley. I don't know why I used your last name there. Aline, Nick, Derek. Hillary. I didn't even write Hillary's name down. God damn it. I'm so, I'm so terrible at my job. I'm just so memorable, though. Yeah. You didn't need yeah. to. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. 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 It, was, Thanks, it was great. Dave. And thank you, listeners, for making us part of your week. If you like what you heard today, why not subscribe? You can benefit from, the ha- from our habit of answering listener questions. So send your questions or whatever you like to the shortcoats at gmail.com or reach out on social media like Janetello did. Or you can leave us a message at 3417. <laughs> 347 short CT like Madeline did. We'll talk about it on the show. Also, don't forget to visit theshortcoat.com and join our email list. And if we made you smile or gave you something to think about today, right now, while your podcast app is open, give us some stars and a review. It's a cheap and easy way to be part of the Shortcoat Army and helps us know that we're doing the right thing. What a bunch of bullshit I just said right now. (laughs) (laughs) The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox and our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week. 